Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, each and every Monday night, you can find us right here at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central Time, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Now, I want you to know that this show is designed with you in mind, a show that continues to set a platform to address the issues of domestic and sexual violence, community violence, neighborhood violence, divorce, grief, death, or whatever that you may need a healing from. This show is oftentimes accompanied by special guests, survivors, and other ones that have much to contribute. If you'd like to listen to this show tonight, you can continue to listen to us on area code by calling in and listening at area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. Or you can always join us by internet by going to www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's right, www.soulofamericaradio.com. And I'm so glad that you joined us. And for those of you that are following us by way of Facebook, you can find us at Domestic Violence It Is Your Business. That is one of our group pages. You can also find our page, Destiny by Choice, uh, there on Facebook, as well as Destiny by Choice 2 uh, Fellowship page, which is just the opposite in its terms of the fact that Destiny by Choice 2 is a page of inspiration, hope, a page where one can share and be transparent inside of many things. And so tonight, as you're listening to our show, we're so glad that you've joined us here on this first Monday in April of 2017, and we're excited because not only is it springtime, but we're excited because there's so many things to talk about uh, today. The month of uh, April has so much to do with it. It, it, it. It's not only uh, Sexual Assault Month, but it's also Child Abuse Prevention Month, and this month has so much that we can look forward to, and, and, and it's a perfect time to raise awareness about the many ills that affect our society. So we'd like for you to join us tonight. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor to join us. Go right there to their phone, dial area code 323-784-9638, and they can get in. They don't have to say anything, but in case they have a question or comment, 
that they would like to ask or something they'd like to say. Simply after they dial the number, simply hit one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to get on the airway, and we'll get you on the airway. And that's how you join us tonight here at Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm always excited about the opportunity to bring some type of empowerment or, if you would, knowledge, transformation, give other tools that can be instrumental inside of what we're doing. Now, why is this important? This is important for a number of reasons. If we're going to make a difference, if we're going to be the change agent that we need to do in addressing subject matter that is so uh, difficult, we must be ready, be ready and prepared to make that difference. So that's what we're about tonight. We look forward to not only you listening, but we also listen, uh, look forward to you being able to call in. So once again, if you desire to call in, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. If you have a question and a comment, hit number one on your keypad. If you choose to join us by way of the internet, that is www.soulofamericaradio.com. You can listen to us. As a matter of fact, not only can you listen to us now, but this broadcast, as is every broadcast, is available on podcast minutes after even the show ends. So at any given time, you can go back to uh, soulofamericaradio.com, go to the archives uh, category, and you can be able to download and listen to any of our shows that we've had since our time on this great network. Now, as we have reached this first Monday in April, I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to address a lot of different things. Listen, events are just that. They're events that happen in people's lives. They're events that happen, and we see the climax of things happening. But I want you to know that oftentimes when we're dealing with the issue of domestic violence and abuse and violence, just because the fact of there might, there might not be any more physical abuse or the victim is no longer uh, with the perpetrator, it does not mean that the abuse has stopped. It simply means that they have been separated from the de- abuse, but in many ways they're still dealing with the aftermath of the abuse. They're dealing with it uh, from a psychological standpoint, from a mental standpoint. They're dealing with it uh, even through some uh, conditions that may be psychosemantic. They are dealing with the impact of this, and they are oftentimes dealing with some type of uh, trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. And these things are impacting hundreds and thousands of families throughout the country. These things are impacting them children exposure to violence. We are seeing so much that is happening, and so often we become uh, numb to the fact of these type of occurrence. It's one thing to have sympathy, and as we should, for a person who may have lost a loved one due to domestic violence. But does that make any less significant for those individuals that are currently in a domestic violence situation and might be suffering right through it? The fact that they're alive is a blessing but also the torment they oftentimes live in as they are enduring the abusive relationship. Because in many cases, the issue is not just the abuse. The issue has become very much enhanced with everything that follows the abuse. Not only the abuse, but oftentimes when we talk about uh, the sense of being not only homeless, but the sense of being uh, left without resources, all of those things are the continuation of the impact of the issue of domestic violence. And so once again, if you'd like to join us, area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us tonight, area code 323-784-9638. You desire to uh, uh, ask a question or uh, have a question that you'd like to ask or make a comment, 
You simply hit the number one on your keypad, and that will get you in on our airways today. And so having said that, I want to get into just a few things that I think is very important. Also the fact of uh, the climate, the environment that we live in today, that very many people often, very little people ever consider the long reach of the impact of domestic violence. Very few. Not understanding how behaviors today can affect tomorrow in so many lives. And that's what is so significant. That is what's so important about this. And so I want tonight to, to actually go into some uh, few of the headline stories that we've had happen here most recently. And some of those that are happening around the world. And they're happening to families. They're happening to individuals. And they are going through some tough times. And there's so much to be able to talk about when we look at these things. And I'm going to make sure that you understand uh, these issues can become very heinous. And I want to share one with you right now that, that is, is really, it breaks our heart. It breaks our heart to see how far the issue of domestic violence reach. Now, of course, we're based here right in uh, South Florida. So I want to give you this story here, and uh, this is a follow-up. And this goes back to a story that took place here in Florida, and there was a connection between both Florida and Haiti. The story took place November 15, 2015. And I want to give you the onset of what happened. You had Travis James Hyatt and his five-month-old granddaughters, Hayden Rose Hyatt and Caden Reese Hyatt. They were identified as the murder victims in the Friday's murder-suicide. Six months ago, Megan Hyatt posted this message on Facebook about the father of the twins she was about to have. He's my rock, my heart, my love, my ride or die, my handsome man, my one and only, mine forever. Her forever that she was referring to, folks, was none other than Gawan Roshane Wilson. Foley said that Wilson, age 28, shot Megan, the five-month-old twins, and their grandfather. Travis James Hyatt, 49, Friday in his north side home, he then turned a gun on himself. Megan, age 22, was the only survivor. She was being treated for her injuries at a UF Health in Jacksonville. So when police released the identity of the victims uh, on that Saturday, they gave no further information about the circumstances of the murder-suicide. What is known that there was a backup, there was a pickup truck uh, there with boxes, and the bed was uh, seen backed into the driveway of the home Friday. But police did not speculate as to uh, if act whether or not Megan was moving out. However, the evidence that Wilson had issues with domestic violence could be seen far and near, and there are those that knew, quite frankly, what was going on. Why is this important? I want to make sure I correct this. This story took place in Jacksonville, and this was a very tragic story, a story here where the father of these two precious twins not only killed their mother, but killed them and attempted to kill others that was nearby. Could you imagine this? You're talking about a baby. But what is more troubling, and this is what I want to focus on, was her Facebook post six months ago. Now, who would 
would naturally have figured out that she was in an abusive relationship. When her words was, he's my rock, my heart, my love, my ride or die, my handsome man, my one and only forever. See, those words sound romantic. Those words sound wonderful. Those words sound like she's happy. Those words sound like this guy is a knight in shining armor. The reality was that he was not a knight in shining armor. See, he had history with domestic violence. Two women had filed for injunctions for protection against Wilson in 2013 and 14, according to the court records. One was for dating violence, and the other was for domestic violence without children. Megan Hyatt was not involved in either case. His address at the time of both injunctions was in Mayport Naval Station. He had bought the Northside house about a year ago. The twins were born on June 8th, and their mother uh, filled her Facebook page with their photos. What an amazing family photo. Congratulations on your two beautiful baby girls. Great job, Mom and Dad. That's just some of the comments that were said on the page. Megan, whom herself was also a twin, on, on her birthday, October 15th, she left this post about her twin, Tyler. You know the best thing about having a twin? We get to share our birthday for eternity. Thanks for being amazing for being an amazing uncle and helping me with the girls so I can go to the doctor's appointment and run errands. See, Tyler was her twin brother. He, ch- he changed his profile picture Saturday to one with him and his father. A friend commented, love you so much, Tyler. Your dad was an amazing man, a real hero. See, his dad's Facebook page included a picture of him holding his granddaughters. And you would hear comments like, ah, oh, so sweet, Grandpa. Look like he's in love with a couple of little girls. That's what some of the comments said. But as they but as they continued to look and investigate, what was evident was the fact that Mr. Wilson was not only abusive, but Mr. Wilson had a history of abuse, and that abuse only continued to escalate. Here are stories that oftentimes are heart-wrenching. They're heart-wrenching because of the fact of how horrific they are. The people lives who they destroy. They're heart-wrenching because of the fact of uh, individuals who have put their trust in another individual, oftentimes simply to be betrayed. To be betrayed in a way that goes deep. So we have to keep these things in mind. And so as we look at these things, I want to just simply say, There's so many things that have happened. When I look at the fact of we've covered many stories, many stories locally and nationally, many stories that uh, oftentimes when you look back in hindsight, you say, what happened? Why didn't they see it coming? Folks, many times people don't see it coming soon enough. We continue to see stabbing deaths. We continue to see things happen that, that really affects the life of the individual. And so when we talk about affecting the life of the individual, we talk about individuals that oftentimes are suffering in silence. Who can I tell? Who will believe me? Who will listen to me without judging me? All of those things are real issues. And our heart breaks. I want to take you to a more recent story here, once again, taking place in the state of Florida. 
The woman that was accused of setting a house of fire that killed the three graduates of her ex-boyfriend. Are you hearing me here? She was charged with breaking into his home and assaulted him the previous day. This took place just March 14th. See, Marion Yvette Williams, age 49, broke into the South Lee Avenue home early Friday morning while Arnold Mele was sleeping and started choking him and was threatening to kill him, according to a Kaya Police Department report. Williams was booked in the DeSoto County Jail at 1.52 a.m. on Friday, and she was charged as well with battery and burglary of an, of an occupied dwelling, according to the report. She received a $10,750 bond. But I mean, know that she bonded out 12.27 p.m. the very uh, next day. About 4.35 a.m. after she bonded out <laughs> on that Friday, about 4.35 a.m. a Saturday, Saturday Melee's home was on fire. His grandchildren, Marcus Clark, age 10, Keani Clark, age 8, and Kamari Clark, age 4, was killed in the blaze. Now, folks, we got to ask a simple question. In the words of, in the words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Because here is rage, anger, the need to control, not accepting the fact that relationships are over to the point that you put others in harm's way. And because we put others in harm's way, oftentimes we sacrifice even innocent children. Eric 323 that's how you reach us today. Eric 323 that's how you reach us here on Hope of Healing, a journey to wholeness. Listen to J.R. Thicklin, and we'll be right back after this commercial message. and healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soar. domestic violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. 
you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the national hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thickler right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. look over my shoulder every day and the fear still there this woman was a victim of domestic abuse she has chosen to conceal her identity because even though she is free the fear is still there for her getting the courage to leave the comfortable life she knew and not return was the hardest part i left 11 times she tried therapy and counseling but nothing stopped the abuse i thought that you know if i loved him enough that he would love me back Ultimately, it was the concern for her children that made her leave. When I saw it affecting my children, I guess that was what really made my mind up. For this victim and some others, they're able to escape their dangerous relationship and find comfort and safety in shelters like the one behind me. Abuse Alternatives in Bristol provides an emergency shelter, therapy, court advocacy, and much more. They you know, tried to just guide me in a direction without putting too much pressure. During the holidays, she was upset about making it a normal one for her children, but abuse alternatives took care of that as well. I had no idea how I was going to do Christmas for my kids, and they saw that Santa came. Since leaving her husband and coming to abuse alternatives, she has noticed an improvement in her children's attitudes. They smile more. They're open more. They're happy, and they feel safe. With the recent tragedy in Glade Spring, this victim knows that a similar fate could have been hers if she never got the courage to escape. I think if uh, I didn't have abuse alternatives to turn to, that you would be doing the story that you've done on her, on me. Kelsey Lair, 19 News, Bristol. And welcome back to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. As we were talking before we went to the break, we were highlighting some of the things that happen and the impact that happens in people in an abusive relationship. Oftentimes, friends and loved ones and coworkers who so desire to be there for uh, individuals and that, that are victims of domestic violence find themselves feeling a sense of hopelessness. 
what do I say? How can I convince them to, uh, to listen? How can I convince them to leave? And a number of things go through people's mind when it comes to this issue of domestic violence. And I submit to you the goal is not necessarily of you convincing them to leave or whatever. It is the fact of you being there to let them know that you are there to help them through this situation. Many times victims aren't ready to leave when we think that they should leave. Many times they're hanging on to many different things. But most importantly, many of them are fearful. They're afraid of what might happen once they leave. Since we know that the grave is time of danger, it's once they leave the abusive relationship. See, once they leave the abusive relationship, any sense of normalcy and stability is gone. And so oftentimes, once they've left, we understand the pursuit becomes greater. Where the perpetrator wants to find them, wants to put an end, wants to exert their will over them. Those are things that we have to consider because these are things that are real as it relates to the issue of domestic violence. There's so much work to be done as we address this subject matter. It is one that no longer can be, uh, if you would, talked about in a vacuum. Everything in life is affected by domestic violence. Your parenting is affected by domestic violence. Your children are affected by domestic violence. Your family members are affected by domestic violence. Your place of worship is affected by domestic via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am. 
am in the Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. Now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. The soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? 
why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it. Because to me, it's so obvious. Why does anybody stay with somebody that they love? You know, we've all been in relationships that, even if they weren't abusive, we're not working any longer. And we all stay far longer than we want. And it's, you stay for the same reasons. You stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children. When we ask, why did you stay, you know, we're blaming the victim for their abuse as opposed to asking, why did you hit this person? Or why are you violent? Or why do you feel the need to be violent? Why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims. It's cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. Um, and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again, and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family, and essentially, he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand, and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. You stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I, and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always <laughs> so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing axe, and that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind and 
saying things to me that no one had ever said and and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning. And we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent um, moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that, that bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it. And so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left, that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't gonna do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J. R.
welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, every Monday night from 9 p.m. to 10.30, we are here on your line. That's 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 in the mountains, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you have tuned in to Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. I do want to apologize for the technical difficulties and getting in on tonight, but that's because the show is that hot tonight. It is going to be just that impactful tonight. So wherever you're listening from, from coast to coast, we welcome you to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. As you know, this broadcast is designed with you in mind. This is a platform that's dealing with the issues of domestic violence, sexual violence, dealing with abuse, abandonment, rejection and anything that have caused hurt that needs the restoration of healing. And so tonight, as we have you on the line, we have plenty of you that are still uh, holding on that uh, did not abandon us. And so we're grateful for that tonight. And we have some very special guests that is going to be with us on tonight. Uh, they're going to join us. Tonight, as always, is about empowerment. Tonight, as always, is about how do we make that next step. Tonight is about really the bridge that we begin to build in the lives of those that are so affected by this issue of domestic violence. And so we're going to get into our callers here in just a second. I have two very special guests with me tonight, and because, in fact, we lost about 18 minutes, worth of broadcast time, what I want to do is to make sure that we get you on and that you have an opportunity to participate inside of what we're doing. That is the fact that you can listen to us two ways. You can listen to us by going to www.soulofamericaradio.com, or you can listen to us by calling area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. And at any given time, if you're listening you desire to have a question, want to speak to our guests or ask a question, Simply hit number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight, and we're so excited to have each and every one of you that are listening tonight on this great radio broadcast. Now, I want to immediately get started by saying these words here, that I believe tonight is about empowerment. I believe tonight is about victory and is about triumph. In other words, uh, there are many people that find themselves victims of domestic violence. We know that statistics says that women, one in four women in their lifetime, will be a victim of domestic violence. One in seven men will suffer that same fate. But what I want you to know is that just like there's a way in, there are ways out of it. And there are those that come out of it and they're triumphant and they get through it in a significant way. And so tonight I have two very special, uh, what I call victorious survivors that are on the line tonight. Uh, our first guest, and they're going to both be on simultaneously here in a minute, I am a Sheila. Uh, Sheila Bryan is going to be on the line with us. Sheila is not only a survivor, she is a businesswoman, she is an entrepreneur, and she is a mover and a shaker, and she has the testimony to prove it. She's come through some things, uh, she's overcome some things, and she has agreed tonight to be with us because she wants to share those things that she's come through. She wants to share about the victory that she has uh, had. And so tonight I welcome to Help and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Sheila, I want to say good evening to you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jan. You know, uh, your story is absolutely tremendous. I had an opportunity a little bit over a week ago to share a platform with you uh, on another show, and I was so 
absolutely blessed by your testimony and by the things that you had endured that I told you immediately I wanted you on to on the show and you're here tonight uh, why don't you greet our audience tonight and share them a little bit about your story and how you came into it and how you came out of it awesome thank you so much for having me and I want to also thank your listeners for tuning in um, my story began um, 1999. I flew in from South America, Colombia, very young, age of 17, and pretty much young to this country, naive, obviously, looking for the American dream, looking for bigger things in my life. I um, I definitely came across as a very charming man. By the time I turned 18 in the summer of 2000, I you know, ran into this very charming, good-looking, handsome man who kind of just, you know, began to romance me, you know, we became good friends, and eventually after a year dating, we got married. Um, little to my knowledge, this gentleman was no longer the charming individual who he, you know, portrayed at the beginning. He began to, obviously after we got married, we found out we were pregnant. Um, at the time I was not working, I was a stay-at-home wife, and abuse began the moment that we found out we were pregnant. So, at some point, the blame begins on perhaps having a child is more responsibility. Um, it was a very difficult time for me because I have no family in the United States. So I was kind of stuck at that point where I'm married and I'm pregnant, I'm young, not knowing much. I kind of got myself to believe that this was it at that point. Um, you know, over the years, we you know, we had more children. I had my first daughter at 19 my second daughter um, by the age of 20, and um, we had one more child, a son, which by the time I was 22, I had my third child. So little to say that it was a very tough, difficult situation when, you know, the abuse was emotional in the beginning, then it became physical. Um, He would hit me. My husband would hit me anywhere. We would go to the grocery store. We might go out in public to you know, different venues, different locations, and you, you, the strikes will come, sometimes with no reason behind it. And um, one of my darkest moments in my marriage was, you know, being pregnant and my husband completely losing it and striking me so hard in my head that he completely split my head open. I, you know, I, I was bleeding profusely. He refused to take me to the hospital. He knew at that point by taking me to hospital, I would probably be, you know, in a situation where he would go to jail and I would have to stay in the hospital. And he, he, he kind of saw that and refused to take me to the hospital. So I was raised in the church, JR. So I would say thank God for that. Thank my family for that, raising me in the church. As a young girl, I always knew that there was a God and I just had to be faithful and believe that this situation was temporary, that I wasn't going to be there for a long time. Um, by the time I had my third son, I remember having an encounter as I ended up in a woman's shelter, an encounter with a young lady who said to me that there was help. You know, being that I'm an immigrant, I'm a foreigner, I'm a United States citizen, that there was help, that there was help definitely. And she gave me some information. She said, you know, you need to go to this location. You need to ask for help. There are resources. You can get your green card. You can get you know, work permit, you can get out of this situation. So I began to seek and search more for information and came across that there was indeed 
a um, an American law that is to protect women like myself who are married to their abusers who are either United States citizens or legal permanent residents. And I began the process of the paperwork. You know, I, it took me about eight, nine months to just go through the ordeal of the paperwork and hiding this all from my husband. God forbid he found out then that I was doing that. I probably believe he would have killed me. Um, but thankfully, you know, I did everything, you know, wisely with, you know, seeking advice from people who knew what they were doing, what they were talking about. And um, thankfully, by the summer of 2006, I uh, finally got that document in the mail that I was, at that point, a green card holder, which gave me so much satisfaction and freedom. And I was so thankful to God and the people who came in my life around the time that helped me get this information. You know, when you went through that, and it had to be a very dark time for you because you dealt not only with the abuse, but you also dealt with the fear, I believe, of him uh, reinforcing the fact of threatening you that because you were not an American citizen and you did not have your paperwork, uh, he used that as power and control over you, threatening uh, to take the kids, threatening you that you would be deported. And so he used all of those things of what you did know in order to keep you in bondage. Would that be correct? That is absolutely correct, yeah. It was always a threat, you know, whenever I say, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to go through this anymore, I genuinely did not want to raise my children in this environment. But I had to face the reality at that time. You see, there, I'm stuck with this man who's, you know, abusing me, constantly hitting me. I mean, I'm talking black eyes, busted lips, bruises, or why I'm going to face being homeless with my children. So it was a very difficult time with a constant reminder that you have no way of working, you have no way of providing, you have no way of getting my children, you know, and, you know, so it was very, very difficult. And, yes, that kept me behind for many, many years. The idea of not having a way of providing for my kids kept me back from really leaving him. And so when we talk about that, and you, you talk about all those fears there, because especially for those that are listening tonight, and you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, I am your host, J.R. Thickland, and I have a couple of very special guests that are with me tonight. You're listening to Sheila uh, Bryan, and she's sharing her story. You know, having come from uh, another country, and you're here, and there's so many things that happen. We all experience prejudices in one sense or another. Here you are from another country, but your skin looked like any other African-American individual, and yet it's still inside of that which you were going through, um, you had the you had the different uh, other elements that's going on. Not only you not being a being a uh, citizen of this country, but you also had the whole point going on. As far as if you would, uh, those that might have judged you because you uh, did speak another language, those that might have uh, looked at you as a person that might have deserved the abuse. But one of the things you shared with me previously was that this abuse was not just physical. This abuse also was emotional. It was uh, it, w- it was spiritual, uh, uh, but it also was economical or financial abuse that you endured as well. And I- I'd like to share a little bit more with our audience about that because of the fact. So often, the whole mainstream focus on the physical abuse, and oftentimes do not put enough emphasis on the other type of abuse that also serves as a oppressing tool of the perpetrator. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you, Jr. Most times we often hear the word domestic violence and we automatically assume that it becomes, you know, a physical punch from one individual to the other. 
But in violence, in in, in domestic cases, it, many times it becomes financial abuse, to where one partner is opposing that the other makes more money or perhaps stagnates the growth of the financial growth in the home. So many times, as one spouse is the main source of income, becomes very difficult to do better things to grow. It becomes you know difficult as you have children as well to you know pay for better schools or to live in a you know different environment, a better neighborhood. Perhaps a spiritual abuse is preventing from going to church, preventing from having any visits, and you know those things are truly also part of domestic violence. Because it is, as you're saying, it's oppressing. It is continuous preventing that one spouse from reaching out, from seeking help, from doing much better. And, you know, many times, you know, one one going through that, you, you become suicidal, you become depressed. Uh, many different, you know, feelings and emotions that do, do go through your, your mind, it truly has, you know, an effect on the children, especially in the cases where there are young children, whether it's between the marriage, the relationship, you know, one partner bringing the children into the relationship. So all that trickles down into the children as well. So domestic violence is not just affecting the person who's physically getting attacked, but it's affecting emotionally those who are around who are helpless, like the children. And that's a great point uh, to bring out because in many times, you know, from the outside looking in, there are folks who know of people being in an abusive relationship, and they oftentimes they pass judgment without understanding the dynamics. The fact that, you know, the children are exposed to it, the children are involved, oftentimes the dependency of the victim on the perpetrator to be the breadwinner. Uh, and, and in many cases where uh, the uh, victim may not have the skills or job skills or other opportunities to do things, they're, they're left dealing with with uh, the situation of if I leave, how am I going to make it? And all those they play a part. And, and you kind of gave uh, you kind of gave actually testimony to that. But where, where I want to guide you now is the fact that what was a key part for you getting out? Was it that defining moment when that person at that shelter said, "Look, there are you know there are things in place." For a person like you to be able to get your status and to be able to get out of this situation, was that the beginning of the green light? And if it was, where did you go from there? Well, to be very, very livid about the situation, just going back, my turning point was remembering one night again, you know, the constant abuse. And, you know, I did at that point. Back in 2000, I have my older sister, which my only sister, flew in from South America. She came back to live in the United States as well. So we both split. You know, we had our separate lives. But my sister usually used to come and help me out and, you know, do her best. But I was married, so she was limited to how much assistance she could provide me. Um, And I remember one night, you know, having this, you know, fight again with my husband, calling my sister to help me, to to come pick me up with me and my kids and, she was on her way, and she got into a very, very bad accident. And, um, you know, and that was a turning point, the idea of me losing my sister because I'm in this relationship, because I'm allowing this man to abuse me. You know, that was it for me. That was the, the moment that I had to do something because I was, I, was, I was never able to think that I could live with the guilt of me being the reason for my sister losing her life to come and save my life, which I had control in my hands. Um, so as I 
went to the shelter, you know, I remember having a conversation with this young lady, and she said, you know, there is help. So I already made a decision that I was going to leave. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. So the moment I made a decision, JR, and, you know, I ended up in the women's shelter in Broward where I reside, I remember this conversation was just God aligning me on purpose that I could get out, that there is a way out. But I made a decision, so it becomes crucial for anyone who's listening who is either in the situation that wants to get out or know of someone, it first has to be a decision to just get out. And everything aligned itself right after. You know, the young lady I came across shared me some information. She said, you can go to this congressman's office um, right in my area. I remember walking in, you know, in tears, just really, really asking, I need help. I really need help. So in the office, you know, a couple of people came to my rescue. They just asked me a tons of questions. And we began to process paperwork. I had no money. I did not know how I was going to pay for this because everything costs money, obviously. So sometimes we begin to look at the obstacles versus, the, you know, the outcome. You know, we do want to get out. We do want better. But we look at the obstacles sometimes. So I didn't look at obstacles at that point. I just made a decision, and everything started to fall in place right after well, that's very powerful. I'm, I'm glad you share it because oftentimes, you know, from the outside looking in, it does, so for some people, it seems easier said than done. But on the other end, as difficult as it was, you said something that was powerful and that you cannot begin to leave until you leave. You won't get out of it until you actually make those steps to go out. Every step is a step of faith. So we have to look yeah. at that. Every step is a step of faith in getting out of that. You know, Support is so important at that time. Your turning point was very significant because you uh, you saw that this issue and the relationship that you were in was not only affecting you, but the consequences of you being in it was also affecting family members, and in this case, your dear sister. And that became your eye-opening moment. It was your moment of truth, and uh, everything began to turn around from that point on. And that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. And I want to ask one other question uh, of you before I bring in uh, um, Sabrina Harris, because I think you guys share uh, very similar stories, and one says, and yet it's still a different uh, path you've taken. Now that this has been behind you and you've been out of this for for a great period of time, I want you to share with the audience what are some of the things that you have now done. I mean, you are you are a motivational speaker. You you, you do trainings. You are an entrepreneur in your own right. How did you get there? What was it? What was it that brought you from pain to power? Wow, that is a very good question. I would like to first give glory to God. Um, I wouldn't be here on this line without him giving me the strength and the courage and just constantly speaking and praying and asking him to lead me, to guide me, to show me, just to give me one more day. Just give me one more day. So um, first I would like to thank him, you know, thank God for all things because I really, I did not know I would be here today. I did not know it. I, I, I believe that there was a better way. I believe that there was always an outcome that I wanted, but I just couldn't believe and I couldn't see. When you're in a situation where you're being abused, you cannot see light. You all see darkness. You cannot see light. So as I got out of the situation, once I really got out of the marriage, you know, when we went through the courts and divorce was finalized and my life began at the moment where I made a decision not to look back but just to look forward. I started a regular job. You know, I put my kids in daycare at the time. They were very, very little nine years ago. 
there were, I believe, uh, three, two, and nine months at the time. And once I put my children in school, I began a job, you know, everything unfolded. I began to meet great people, God aligned me with some amazing individuals who began to open my eyes, who began to give me wisdom, opening doors, and I just took steps of faith one after the other, one after the other, knocking on doors and just taking advantage of opportunities that just felt right, that I knew that would help me become a better person, become a better mother, and eventually begin to talk to women. Um, it's just great to know that at some point my life story has served over the nine, nine years now that I've been out of that situation. My life story has served to save some women from going through it, some women who are currently, you know, in the situation to give them hope that it's possibilities that they can get out. Um, and so I always knew that I had to become better. So just getting out of that situation till today, GR, genuinely has been my faith, my belief that I can, you know, always give back and, you know, just be a servant to people and um, use my story as nothing but a, a, you know, source of faith because we know that the word says that faith comes by hearing. You know, hope, hope is important. Faith is important. So, 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 so once we know that we have overcome a struggle and, and, and we've come through a very difficult journey, we can now help someone else who's in the same situation. Absolutely. Well, what a powerful testimony. And the fact that you came out and that your faith brought you through it. And oftentimes that's a missing element because one thing to find physical safety, but it's another thing to find a spiritual and a place, a centerpiece of not only hope, but a centerpiece of, uh, of serenity, knowing that God is with you, and it brought you out. And I thank you so very much for sharing. Stay with us. I know you're going to have to be leaving soon, but what I want to do is immediately after this commercial break, I'm going to bring on um, Sabrina Harris, the uh, founder and CEO of the House of Love Villionaires, and what a testimony she also have. And uh, I'm going to set it up, but I want you to stay tuned to it. We'll be right back after Absolutely. the break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Hope. you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives 
and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am MD Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Welcome back to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. What a powerful show that we have tonight. Two very special guests uh, that have been on. You've had the opportunity to listen to Sheila uh, Bryan, and what a powerful story, a story of not only going through the abuse but surviving the abuse, the difference that knowledge made and information, but even more importantly, the faith that she had to sustain her after she came out of it. In many ways, our next guests uh, share a very similar path. She, too, was very young when she was inside of her abusive situation, both of them 18-year-old uh, inside of that regard. And our, our guest now is uh, Sabrina Harris. She is the CEO and uh, founder of the House of La Villionaire. She'll tell you more about that. But besides that, she's, not, she's a survivor of domestic violence. She is, a, she is a, uh, a, a mental health counselor. She is an individual that, uh, listen, she, she's a lot of things. She's doing a lot of things that are making uh, some tremendous difference. And I want to welcome her to the show tonight because she's also one of my friends and colleagues as well. Good evening. Welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. Sabrina, you're on the air with us. Good evening, Namaste, Pastor Thicklin. I salute you for the platform and for the opportunity to join you this evening. I give all praise and honor to God, first and foremost, for he is the reason and the possibility for everything that transpires and that comes together how it's supposed to be. And also to my queen sister, Sheila Bryan, we've interacted so much now, I honestly look forward to meeting her in person and just giving her a big hug and saluting her for what she's doing as well. Well, you know, that's a powerful, that's very powerful because to a certain degree, there becomes a sisterhood, if you would, for those that have come out of these type of relationship, abusive relationship, and perhaps a kindred in spirit in the sense of the fact of the power of triumph. And I think that is something that you both share uh, mutually. And, uh, and yet and still, as much as your stories are so very similar, your path of coming out 
has caused something to happen within each of you. You and I uh, have had some tremendous times together inside of just discussing. As a matter of fact, we know that when we talk, we generally have to make some room for space because it can go on and on and on because of just the passion that we have. And we know that there are things that God has given us, not just to talk about it, but to be about it. And, uh, and so I want you to share with our audience tonight, share with them your journey inside of going from your pain to power. Well, it's very interesting, my start, because I came from a two-parent, very stable household. My mother was present. My father was present. They were married. My brother was there. And there was a tremendous spiritual base. We were raised in the church, Southern Baptist. We got all the teachings and everything else. But the one thing that so enamored me, and I was a daddy's girl to the end of power, but it was the way that my father interacted with his family, the love that he had for his family, but the way that he treated my mother. He was so kind and respectful and patient, and he made sure that his family wanted for nothing. So I realize now that it set my expectation for what I desire to see within a man and within a relationship. And I realize now that I set the bar way, very, very high, and the standards were way up there, and I wasn't willing to relinquish them because that's all I knew. But my journey started when I was about 18 years old, and one of the things that was very telling for me inside of this relationship that eventually ensued and progressed into marriage was that I had already had a child. So I had a child out of wedlock, and that relationship, it fell apart, and I met who was to be my ex-husband, and it materialized on from there. But it didn't start out problematic, and that's the seed I tried desperately to plant in the hearts and minds of young people because it didn't start out that way. Although, mind you, we weren't equally yoked by any means for a lot of reasons, it was just a nice, amicable meeting, starting of a relationship, and it eventually progressed. Although now I can reflect back on a lot of the training and things that I know and I'm aware of, there were warning signs. There were red flares all over the place, but I didn't see them as such because I was young and naive. But I spoke about with Bakari Wright and Sheila Bryan and yourself when we were on a week or so ago about the culminating experience or the one that really stood out the most. And that's the one when we were having a verbal exchange, an argument. And one of the things I realized about him now that I didn't recognize as so then was a very controlling nature, a need to be in in control, to be the man, and to be all of this. And I was so in my heyday not willing to be controlled, so I was not submissive by any means. And we had a verbal exchange that I felt like I had won. I felt pretty good about it. And it ended up with him burning me on my knee with a cigarette lighter from the car. And I'll never forget the way he looked, and I'll never forget the expression in his words, like, you won't talk to me that way. You will never argue with me. We we won't do this. You will not do whatever I say pretty much goes. And that was the point where the dam burst, but I remember that night nursing my knee. I knew I couldn't tell my father because it would have been a problem. 
because, again, daddy's little girl. I knew I couldn't tell my brother because it would have been another problem, but it would have been like two men at war for sure. And somewhere deep inside of me, I knew that the situation was wrong and I knew the behavior was off the Richter and off the mark, but somewhere inside of me I told myself that I loved him enough to be able to help him and get through it. And long story short, it got progressively worse, but the children had started by that point. We had gotten a home together. We had accumulated things together. So in a lot of ways, I teach people now about questioning why people stay because a lot of times there is no true justification from the outside because a lot of it doesn't make sense. But to the person going through it, especially when your mindset is warped or it's not open or there's not a good understanding, you just don't put it together in a logical way, but it makes sense to you. So I talk a lot about re-victimization of asking people, well, why did you stay? Because I get that quite a bit when people hear me talk and they hear me speak or, oh, I can never see you going through anything like that or accepting anything like that. And I say, oh, there was a time. I didn't always have the knowledge and the experience and the fortitude that I have today, thank God, that he empowered me and gave me this voice and gave me the non-fear factor, but it wasn't always this way. Wow. You know, so over a period of time, not only did you learn, but over a period of time you also have found your voice. And you found your voice in a way, and one of the things that's been so interesting and such a delight in, in working with you is, is, is even the way that you think. That because although you were a victim and you came through this, and you are now a victorious survivor, the process that you went through in order that you may become whole and that, you, that your life became better and not bitter is something I think that people need to hear because although you went through all this and there's been some things that you've not even shared that have been absolutely uh, just, you know, horrendous, I mean, some atrocious things that have happened inside of that, and yet still you've come out of it, you've, been, you, 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 uh, you've gone through your healing process, and I always say that we're always healing, but definitely you've come to that place now that rather than being bitter, you're better. You're about empowering, and you're empowering women. And, and, and one thing I like is that there, there doesn't seem to be the re- residual of I hate all men uh, thing that have uh, happened with you, but rather you have actually taken a stand to talk about the fact that, that, uh, that men are good men, there are good men, and that, uh, that men, too, are victims of this, whether it's through being exposed to it at home or uh, living that type of life, and you've talked about the fact of even how we have to embrace our brothers as well. So that's a different dynamic inside of that, and I definitely would love for you to take the opportunity to talk about that because that also leads us into some very special event that, that is about to happen here real soon. Absolutely. I want to thank you both, first of all, yourself and Sheila, for touching on the various aspects of abuse because you are absolutely right that most people zero in on physical. But certainly within mine, there was emotional, there was verbal, there was spiritual, financial, sexual, professional, and academic. Because a lot of women don't realize that a lot of times their way out is to become better educated, more educated, the better position that brings in the income. And a lot of times 
the partner recognizes that and there's a maneuver or a strategic ploy to block and stop. I remember both times during undergrad having arguments in the parking lot and one became physical. And I, to this day, cannot explain to you or give you any justification or rationale for doing that. But I became to understand that he saw my success and my advancement and my flowering as his loss of control. And I now can recognize that. But one thing I want to say about seeing the abuser and perpetrator differently is this. Once I got to the point of leaving the relationship and that wasn't even a feat within itself because I remember sitting in the bed one morning and I just woke up and I couldn't start crying. I couldn't stop crying. I was just so emotional. It was like just my whole body was shaking. And I remember praying to God. I mean, it was almost like a conversation in sort. And I say, Lord, if there is any true purpose, if there is any reason why I am going through all of this and it was meant to be, please show me without a shadow of a doubt. But I say, if this is of my own accord, my own systematic doing, and I need to systematically undo it with your help, your favor, your grace, please show me that as well. And Pastor Thicklin, two days later, situation culminated into me having to call the police, him arming himself, him being tased by the police, arrested, and that long journey home. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my open door. But I also knew coming out of that relationship, number one, that I did have to go through a process. I'm going to be completely honest, and that's one of the reasons why the forgiveness event that we're doing coming on April 18th, it came to bear because I realized that I did hurt. I did have a level of hate in my heart. I had not found my way to forgiveness. But one thing I was mindful of, that I was not going to carry that into my next relationship. So I took a pause and spent some time with Sabrina. And I went through a process almost as if I was grieving. And I allowed myself to experience emotions and read the books and speak to mentors and tap into people who were spiritual so they could pour into me and help me understand that everything that I was feeling, it made perfect sense as to what I had gone through. But the point was to not get stuck, to somehow add purpose to my pain, make it relevant. And I'll also be honest that I fought do battle with becoming open and, and forthright and having this platform because I was very prideful and very private. And I did not want to open up and bear that part of my life that I had been in shelters and I had escaped and been in a safe house for three or four months and that my children had been placed here with my mother while I moved residence two or three times, but that I had always gone back and listened to the honeymoon phase of the apologies and it's not going to happen again. This is the last time. I, I really didn't want people to see me in my state of weakness. And God, in 2013, I'll never forget it, I had gone through an accident, debilitation, I had gone through recuperation, therapy, and all of this, and he said, this is the season. This is the shift. This is the turn. You didn't go through all of that for nothing, and it's not for you to be silent. These things that you keep shelving, that you keep writing, that you keep 
speaking about in conversations here and there, this is for many. And one thing I'll never forget, and my mother actually had to remind me of it later. I was about 21 years old, and I had attended a church service at her encouragement. I wasn't in the church at that time. I was living my life, and I was doing my own thing. And I'll never forget, I was seated like on the far left end of the pew, and there was a woman all the way down on the other end. And she kept moving. Like she moved a little bit, she made her way down to me, and she was just crying. And she said, I know you don't know me. She said, but i got to be obedient to God, and i got to tell you. And she said, I see a sea, a sea of women. And it's a lot of darkness and a lot of tears, but she said, you're going to touch many. You're going to reach many. And she just began to prophesy. And Pastor Thickland, I laughed. I left church laughing. I was like, wow, she could not have been farther off the mark with me because my life was nowhere near that. And everything she wow. said has come to pass and still coming to pass. Wow. Isn't it amazing that even in the midst of where you were at the time, at a time when you could not see, could not even phantom yourself being this incredible tool, incredible instrument, this incredible influence, this woman was able to look into the spirit realm and actually see that there was a purpose for your life, and that was even a purpose for your pain, and that out of your pain, out of the experience that you had, that you would be used as an instrument of God's love. Yeah. That's amazing. And you've done some great things. You've done some great things, and I want to say this. Go right ahead. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I I just wanted to say one of the things that I'm very honest about, too, in my life is that I was not perfect in that season. And I never want to make it seem at all one-sided because there was a period of time when I felt like I needed to defend myself or there was a period of time when I was disrespectful because all of the things that were going on and going wrong. So I realized and I accept and I have asked for forgiveness for my role and my part even going through my pain, I was not excused from my behavior as well. So I think that's also wow. important towards forgiveness. It is. Listen, people, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and uh, I tell you, you're listening to our special guest, one of our special guests, uh, Ms. Sabrina Harris, the CEO and founder of the House of Billionaires, and so many great things, uh, mover shaker and a powerful businesswoman. And uh, those of you that have been with us most of the time, you've also listened to uh, Sheila uh, Bryan, and uh, Sheila has to go, and I think you're still on the line, but if you could just say, uh, give you a goodbye, we thank you so much, and I know that you've heard Sabrina, and all of us are going to be together real soon. I know we are and everything. So um, if you would, Sheila, give us your, your, your last parting words before we go to commercial break. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JR. I got to say, I am containing my tears, Sabrina. I am containing my tears for you, not just of joy, but just to know that I am really you and you are me. And I'm so <laughs> grateful to God for this connection. Um, thank you so much, Jr., for having me. I truly look forward to an in-person, you know, meet and greet with the both of you pretty soon, and I continue to impact the world because this is what we were really created for. Our struggles are not by any means for us to just lay out, you know, lay in and be sad. 
and hope around. I struggle to truly the revelation of how good God has been to us by giving our story and testimony for others to have hope and believe that, yes, if it happened for me, it can happen for you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I love you, sister, queen in Christ, and thank you so much. Have a blessed night. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for being there. And uh, uh, I tell you, we're looking forward to even great, greater shows that are coming as we bring together survivors. We're going to take a commercial break, and I, am, I know that I have my distinguished uh, colleague and uh, partner inside of De- De- uh, Destiny by Choice is on the line as well, Dr. Douglas, and I'm, hopefully I'm going to be able to get her on before we end tonight because of the fact of uh, just some powerful insight here. And I know that in, uh, in, in her uh in her quest and in her plight of addressing these issues, she's seen uh, so many things from so many different walks of life. So immediately after commercial break, I will come back and um, we'll finish listening to uh, Sabrina, and we'll hopefully bring on Dr. Douglas as well. And remember, if you have a question and or comment, simply uh, hit number one on your keypad if you're listening in right now, and that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. We'll get you on the air. You don't. But here 